First Kings chapter 19. We're going to start there at verse 1. First Kings chapter 19. Real famous story of Elijah. One of my favorite characters of the Bible, Elijah. I love Elijah. He's one of my heroes of the faith. And this, this uh, chapter 19 takes place right after, of uh, course, chapter 18 where Elijah had had a competition. And what had happened was he came up, there had been a drought, and he had called, uh, he'd called that there would be no rain in the land. And they said, uh, they had claimed that, there was, that, they had, that Baal had their God, and Elijah said, let's have a competition. Whoever's God can bring fire down from heaven, that's the true God. And they had an agreement, and they said, okay, let's do it. We agree, we'll have the, we'll, we can do this. So they had a competition where uh, Baal got, first, got the first chance, and they got in there, and they, they built an off. These uh, prophets of Baal built an off, altar. They put the sacrifice on the altar, and they prayed and prayed, and no fire came down from heaven. They started chanting and chanting, and no fire came down from heaven. They started cutting themselves and, and hollering and screaming, and no fire came down from heaven. And Elijah started mocking them. Said, hey man, maybe your maybe your gods went on a journey, or maybe he's asleep or something. Maybe you need to need to be praying and yelling a little bit louder. He started making fun of them. That's why I love Elijah. No fire came down from heaven. So fire, when it came to Elijah's turn, Elijah said, Come here, bring me some, bring me my servants. And he he dug a big pit around the altar. He poured water all around the altar, barrels and barrels of water all around the altar. He took the water poured it on the sacrifice of the altar, and he said, Lord God, Jehovah, if you're the God of, of Israel, bring fire down from heaven. And at that time, that fire came down and licked up the altar, came out, licked all the water around the altar, just burned everything up. Everybody around said, Jehovah God, he is God. Jehovah God, he is God. And Elijah got the great victory. And Elijah said, take all the prophets of Baal and go slay them in the brook of Kidron. And they took all the false prophets of Baal and, and slew them. And rain came down from heaven. Now, great victory. Look what happens in chapter 19. And Ahab, that's King Ahab. King Ahab told Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is Ahab's wife. She's sorry, no good priestess of Baal. She's the one who's bringing in all this Baal worship. And Jezebel... All, told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, which is what I just described, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword, and that's what I just described. Then Jezebel sent a messenger. Now let me stop there. Where was Jezebel? She's the priestess of Baal. She's the one that is leading all these prophets. She was nowhere to be found when all this took place. Where was she at? She couldn't go to this religious gathering? There must have been a shoe sale or something going on that day. Maybe she was burning her bra down there trying to fight for pro-choice pro and gay rights. I don't know where she was that day, but she wasn't there. And so she sends in verse 2, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She threatens Elijah. After... God sends fire down from heaven and wins a competition. She has all her prophets slain. She still calls on the false gods. So let the gods do to me. So there's some people never going to believe no matter what you show them. That's one of those people is Jezebel. And she says, more so off I make not the life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she threatens Elijah's life. Says, Elijah, if I don't kill you by tomorrow, then let me die. So she's out to get Elijah. Verse 3, and when he saw that, 
he saw what, what Jezebel said. He arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And he left his servant there. Verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. I want to preach this morning on how to deal with depression, how to deal with depression. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you. I thank you for being the God that loves us, cares for us, Lord. Thank you for being a God that allows us to call you Father. That's an amazing thing, Lord, and for you to look, us, look at us as sons and daughters. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we get into this message, Lord, help us to understand, Lord. Help us to glean out of here what we need, Lord. And I pray, Father, as we get in this time of year, Lord God, and so many of us sometimes get down and out, Lord. I pray you help us. Lift us up, Lord God. Help us to understand. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about depression this morning. It's a, it's a, it's a real thing. And you see here, Elijah gets a great victory. And then he wants to turn around here in verse 4. And he says, I just want to die. He goes from having a great victory to where he just wants to die. Um, we all get down and out sometimes. Everybody in this room gets down and out. Sometimes you just wake up, you just don't feel good, you can't explain it. Sometimes you're in a good mood, sometimes you're in a bad mood. I know some of y'all in here, you're always, some of y'all are always happy, and I don't get that. I really don't. I mean, God bless you for that. I mean, that you can always have that positive attitude and a smile on your face and everything. But this pastor, I can't be that way. There's times I get up in the morning and I just want to kill everybody. I mean, that's just the way I am. I'm just down and out. I don't, there's some days I, I love everybody. Some days I'm like, they can all go to hell. I mean, just, that's just how I can be. And I go through these stages of just deep, I guess, not, not anymore, but the times I would go into real deep. And, and, and when I say depression, I don't take, I'm not saying that word lightly. Depression's a serious thing. And that's why I'm preaching on it this morning. Depression, serious depression is a, depression is a serious thing. And it's nothing to, to joke about. And some of us do just get down, and some of us get depressed, and it's something to take serious. And uh, uh, we just get down about things, especially this time of year. Some people get down this time of year, they get to thinking about the loved ones that aren't here to celebrate Christmas with them, and you're dealing with the things you deal with. And we want to look at this, and I'm going to show you this morning, there's six different ways where Elijah makes mistakes. There's six mistakes Elijah's going to make that, 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 that really leads him to his depression, and I'm going to give you those solutions. As we go through the six mistakes that Elijah makes here, I'm going to show you the solutions that you can have in these, the mistakes that he's making. The first one is, first one is, is he listened to Jezebel. The first mistake is he listened to Jezebel. It says, verse 3, and when he saw that, he saw what Jezebel did. Are you listening to Jezebel this morning? Are you listening to the Jezebels of the world? He said, Brother King, what are the Jezebels of the world? Are you listening to the news media? Are you listening to the social networks? Are you listening to Facebook, to, to, uh, to Twitter, to Instagram, to TikTok, to Boom Boom, or whatever the latest one is? Are you listening? Are you listening to all of those? Maybe that's what's uh, going on in your life. You're listening to the Jezebels. Look at that in verse, in verse 2. It says, then Jezebel sent a messenger. You get a Facebook message that bothers you. You get, a, you, get mes you get Facebook Messenger, you get somebody that sends you a message through Facebook Messenger that bothers you. Are you listening to the Jezebel? Elijah did. Elijah was listening to Jezebel. Why would he want to listen to Jezebel? 
He just killed 400 prophets of Baal. He had one of the greatest victories you'll find in the Bible. And one woman says, I'm out to get you. And he's like, I'm running for my life. What was he listening to the Jezebels? You know, uh, sometimes we get on our phones, we get on the computers, and that stuff will depress you. I'm not just popping off. That's a proven scientific fact. I've got this book here. Y'all, any of y'all are welcome to borrow. It's called Satan's Devices. And it's about what, what, what screen time does to your brain. And on the back here, I'm going to read just a little bit, a little clip here. Psycho, psychosocial effects include withdrawal symptoms, antisocial behaviors, and increased impulsivity. That sound like anybody you know? Psychological effects include decreased sense of identity and reality, poor emotional regulation, poorer decision-making capabilities, decreased attention and focus, and increased anxiety. That sounds like the world we're living in. That's what, that's what this stuff does to you. D- being on social media, being on the screens, being on your phone, being on the computer all the time, watching movies all the time, watching TV all the time. He says here simply, he says it's frying the P- PFC. That's your prefrontal cortex. The, right in here, this part of your brain, it's what processes movies. And what you, when you're reading stuff, it's processing where you're at, your, your direction of where you're at in your life. And what I mean by that is when you're watching a movie, because everybody in this room says, it's only a movie, amen. We know those are just actors. They're not really shooting each other. They're not really killing each other. They're not really in love. They're pretending to be in love. They're pretending that they're, they're, they're breaking up. They're pretending that we all know that, amen. And everybody in this room is mature enough to know that's all fake and make-believe. Then why do you cry in the movies? When, when old, old yellow dies, why do y'all shed a tear or two if it's only fake? There's something, your brain takes that, those things and, and it, it, it works on your emotions. Dr. Ruckman used to say, he said, man, I had the hardest time in the 80s going on up preaching to people. And his hardest time preaching to people is they, they spend all day long watching TV, watching movies, and they shoot and they fry their emotions. They've cried, they've cheered, they've laughed, and then they get into church and they're like this. They don't have nothing to give. Man, that's Satan's device. Problem with Elijah was he was getting depressed because he was listening to the Listening to the Jezebels. Listen to the Jezebels. The second thing you'll notice here in verse 3, look at the end of verse 3. Which he, he went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. The second mistake that Elijah did is he got away from friends. He got away from friends. He left his servant there. The big, biggest mistake you can get into when you start getting down and out, and you start getting depressed, is you start... Getting away from your friends. You just want to be alone. You start getting away from That's the worst thing you can do. You need to be around your friends. Listen, a good friend's there to cheer you up. Y'all believe that? Some of y'all have no, don't have very good friends, do you? <laughs> the good friends are there to cheer you up. Amen. All right, y'all wake up. A friend loveth. The Bible says a friend loveth at all times. The Bible says there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We get down and out. We start getting depressed. We get, you need some friends around you. To pick you up, lift you up. So, you know what you, you know, those friends will be there and say, hey man, it's not as bad as it looks. You don't get better. Because what happens is you start irrationally thinking. And we're about to get into that. You're not thinking straight. And you need friends there to straighten you out. To say, hey man, don't worry about that. Don't worry. No, that's no big deal. You're going to, you know, life will get better. There's, you know, uh, when a man goes through a divorce, that's the time a man will go through a deep depression. And you need a friend there to say, hey man, there's more fish in the sea. <laughs> there's more women out there. She's not the only one. We need to hear that. 
Some of that stuff that's so simple is what we need to hear, amen. You know, I had a friend of mine call me up when I was, in, I was real depressed, call me up, and she simply said these words. She simply says, this too will pass. Simple. Profound. The Bible says a friend loveth at all times. I hope you have a friend like that. He got away from his friend. He left his servant friend there and, and ran away. The solution is to stick with your friends. A true friend understands and wants to, to cheer you up. Look at the third thing he does, verse 4. Look at the third thing he does, third mistake he makes. And he, but he, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he listens to the Jezebel. He gets away from his friends. And the third mistake he does is he goes off into the wilderness. He goes off into he isolates himself in the wilderness. You know what the Bible says about the wilderness? The Bible says that's where the devil hangs out. The devil's out in the wilderness. Remember when Jesus Christ was tempted of the devil? The Bible says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led him into the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him. See, when Elijah went off in the wilderness, he's going the wrong direction. He's going off by himself. He wants to get out there away from everybody. That's the worst thing you can do when you're getting down, out, down and out, when you're getting depressed, is trying to get away from your friends and get off in the wilderness. I'm going to say this much. I'm going to say he stopped going to church. He leaves his servants there. He, leaves, he goes away from the people of God. He just had this great victory of God. He leaves the, his servant there, the one that's helped him to serve God. He leaves all that behind and kind of goes off to himself. He stopped going to church. He started going and hanging out in the wilderness. The solution to that is simply this. Don't run yourself off in the wilderness. Get back into church. Stay in church. Stay out of the wilderness. When you're in the wilderness, you're all alone. I've never been more frightened in my life than being out in the country, way out in the country, hunting, and it get dark, and I'm by myself. Man, that's scary. Now, some of you guys, you're like, you're, I see some of you men are like, Pum. I know I'm a weenie. But you're out there, and you're by yourself, and, you just, and all the noises start coming out, and... You to, and then you start thinking about, oh, man, I read in the Bible where out in the wilderness is where the devil's at. And you start thinking of all those horror movies you watched, right? You've ever been out there in the wilderness and heard a, heard a mountain lion roar? Some of y'all have. I have never. I've, I've heard recordings of it. My son had. My son told me, man, Dad, I was out there hunting, and we were out hunting wild hog, and we were sitting out there, and we had every, all the lights turned out, and I heard this, help me. Help me! Sound like a woman screaming for help. It was a mountain lion. And you can go on the internet and check that out on YouTube. You can find that. It's up in Dallas, they had somebody record one. And a mountain lion, when she's screaming, it's like, help me! Sounds like a woman screaming. Ooh, it brings the hair back your neck up. <laughs> Look at verse 4 again. But he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. He just goes and hangs out under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. He started irrationally thinking. This is the main one. This is the one that's going to get everybody in this room. A lot of y'all are good about keeping friends around you. A lot of y'all, you know, a lot of y'all try to do good and stay in church. Don't get off in the wilderness. Try to stay around God's people. You, you try, you try not to listen to the Jezebels of the world. But everybody in this room can tend to do irrational thinking. Things start happening, and you start irrationally thinking. 
it makes no sense why he would want to die right here. It makes no sense. God just brought fire down from heaven. Listen to me. If one of y'all come up there, hey, Brother King, and I'm going to show you something. Watch this. Come out here, Brother King. Yeah, what you got? Watch this. God bring fire down, and God, fire come down. I doubt the next day you say, I want to die. I just want to die. Life's no good. Life's no fair. That's where Elijah's at. It's, a ra- it's irrational thinking. It's irrational thinking to think that you're going to run from Jezebel. Not Ahab. Not 400 prophets of Baal, but you're going to run from one woman that threatens you. When you got God on your side. Man, you women can be scary. <laughs> Try not to look at any of the women when I said that. I don't want any dirty looks. They say behind every great man is a great woman. Do you believe that? I do. They say behind every great man is a great woman. I believe that. Either a mother or a wife. Amen? Amen. There's a, behind every great man, you, you, read, you read these great men of God like John Wesley, Charles Wesley, these great men of God, they had great mothers. Some of them had great wives. But there's a flip side of that coin. Behind every bad man is a bad woman. <laughs> Got quiet in here. Got kind of quiet in here. Y'all women have a lot of power over us men. I hate to admit that. You can help us or you can destroy us. Jezebel destroyed Ahab. Jezebel destroyed the greatest king in the world at that time, Ahab. She destroyed him. And after she destroyed her own husband, she turned and said, Now I'm going to destroy that man, Elijah, because he did what I don't like. And Elijah was scared of her. He just had a great victory. It makes no sense. Listen to me. If he wanted to die, Jezebel was more than happy to take care of that situation. Right? If, if all you want to do is die, Elijah, then why are you running? Go back to Jezebel. She's ready to cut your head off right now. Just say, well, I'm ready to die. Okay, Jezebel, go ahead and take care of me. And he just runs. And it's, it doesn't make any sense, does it? I'm here to tell you that your, your irrational thinking will bring you into depression. Your irrational thinking will bring you into just being down and out. How many people do I deal with? I can't, put, I can't count. How many people I deal with that deal with a serious illness, the one, the one of the first words out of their mouth is simply this, what did I do that God did this to me? What did I do that God did this to me? You didn't do nothing. Why, why do I have cancer? What did I do that God did this to me? This, this is called lie. That person down there has the same thing. That person down there has it worse. It's called life. It's called sin. It's called being in this body. We're all going to die. But what do we do every time? What did God, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? We, it's that irrational thinking, and we got to be really be careful with that. we got to control our thought process. This is probably the most common one, the irrational thinking, but this is the hardest one to fix. Because the solution is this. you got to control your thought process. The Bible teaches us that Casting down imaginations and every high thing that, that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Bible teaches us we should take all those thoughts, those bad thoughts, those wicked thoughts, those unfaithful thoughts, those doubtful thoughts, we need to take them and capture them like POWs and put them into prison and, and to think on good things, to think on the Lord, to think on Jesus Christ. Is God righteous? Amen. 
Is God good? Oh, man, He's good. Then just trust what God's doing. Elijah, if he really trusted in the Lord, if he just got through bringing fire down from heaven and, 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 and slaying 400 prophets of Baal, what's one woman going to do to him? Nothing. <laughs> Unless God wants her to, right? Why? That makes no sense. But here we are looking at Elijah laying under a juniper tree, crying and whining, wanting to die. Real depression can get serious like this. Real depression can get real serious like this, brothers and sisters. I know many of people committed suicide. It's just a, it's, it's something mentally going on. It's not going to send you to hell. It's not the unpardonable sin. Suicide's not the unpardonable sin. Don't listen to Catholic Church. It's not the unpardonable sin. There's something mentally going on there that's not right. I've had some friends that committed suicide. Sometimes some of them over a woman. I'm here to tell you that it's irrational thinking. And you've got to control that thought process. And when you start getting, feeling this going on in your life, you start getting this stuff going, you, better, you need to check this list off and say, okay, where am I going? Am I listening to the Jezebels? Am I getting away from my friends? Am I, am I wandering too far off in the wilderness? Am I having irrational thinking? How do you straighten your thinking out? Make it line up with the book. Every time you say, well, I don't know I'm going to heaven. Does the Bible say you're going to heaven? Amen. You're going to heaven. Amen. You trust the book. It's always true. It's always right. And that irrational thinking, it'll get you away from the book. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's see what happens here. Because there's plenty that's going to happen right here. All right. Verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise. Arise and eat. Here's the fifth thing that he was having a problem with. Here's the fifth thing that Elijah was having a problem with. He lay and slept. He was just wore out. He was wore out and he was tired. And that led to his depression, being down and out. He's just wore out and tired. He'd wore himself, he'd wore himself out. Think about that. He had had this great victory, all the stress, all the mental stress, all the physical stress, all the physical stress of trying to slay the 400 prophets of Baal and bring this great victory. He was up on cloud nine. He was at the top of the roller coaster. There's nowhere else to go but down, 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 down. And as he went down, 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 he's wore out. He's tired. And that'll lead to depression. Guys, uh... I wrote this down in my Bible, and it wasn't my quote. I, I found this quote somewhere. It says, physical and mental fatigue, physical and mental fatigue makes cowards of us all. Uh, nobody, you, it amazes me. I love watching MMA. I love watching uh, fights in the cage and everything. I love watching guys box and everything. And you can see that. A guy, when he's fresh, man, you see he's powerful. He, you can see it all over his face. He's determined and everything. But you get into the third, you get into the fourth, you get into the fifth round of some of these MMA fights, and they're wore down, and they've been beat on, their faces swelled up. You can see they're starting <laughs> They're not so much ready to start hitting it. They're getting tired. It's, it's amazing to see those guys still wanting to fight. And pushing through and persevering because they're tired and they're wore out. Here's the solution to this. It's very simple. You just simply need to get rest. When you start feeling down, you start feeling out, if you really feel like you're getting a serious case of depression, like, man, I'm, I'm just really feeling tired, you need to get some rest. Get some R&R. &R. I don't mean just sleep and rest. You need to go, you need to get away. 
get some vacation, get away. And I don't mean going off in the wilderness. I'm talking about just get away, get some rest, get away from your job, get away from whatever's stressing you. A lot of it's our jobs. It's, it's a situation we're in with our, with, our, with our jobs. It's stressing us out. It's very, very important to get some rest. How important is it? When Jesus Christ was doing the most important work in the world, winning souls to him, you know what he told the disciples? He told the disciples, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. The Lord thought it was so important for you to get rest that he commanded it in the Old Testament that they would rest every seven days on the Sabbath. You'll rest. You won't do any work. You'll rest. No servile work. Rest. So rest that's real, real important, brothers and sisters. So verse 5, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, there's an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. So this angel comes along. God sends an angel and touches him, wakes him up and says, Elijah, hey, wake up and eat. Verse 6, And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. So he needs some rest. And he gets up and he sees that, the, uh, that this angel has a cake baked there. And he's got some water there. So Elijah gets up and eats, and then he gets tired again. He, he's wore out. You can see from this story that Elijah's physically and mentally wore out. And the angel's having to wake him up. And verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. you got a journey to go on, Elijah. You need to eat. So he does. Verse 8. And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. He's about to be tested. It's a season of spiritual awakening, forty days and forty nights. Verse 9. And he came thither unto the cave. He found a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? <laughs> Elijah goes and gets up in the cave, and he's hiding out in the cave, and all of a sudden he hears a voice. What are you doing here, Elijah? Look at Elijah's answer is, verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He made a big mistake there. He says, Lord, I'm the only one that loves you. I'm the only one doing this work for you. And I'm doing all this work, and I'm the only one left. See, he falls into the great mistake, and this is the sixth one. He believed that he was the only one with problems. He believed he was the only one with problems. Brothers and sisters, as a pastor, I can say with all confidence, everybody has problems. Every single family has problems. Some of them are bigger, some of them are large, uh, smaller, but every single family has problems. What I found out in my ministry, that some people are just better at hiding it than others. Some people have the money to hide it than others. I've seen when rich people can get stuff took off the books when poor people couldn't. And you never known that their son was in trouble. You never known the trouble their son got into because somebody with money made sure that you didn't find out about it. I've seen it. And I've seen poor people have no money and the, and the whole world knows what their family problems are. Don't ever believe that you're the only one that has problems. That's what we get into. That's the depression. You start getting down and out and you're like, nobody understands me. What's that song? Nobody knows my sorrow. You know. Yeah, yeah they do. We all deal with problems. We all deal with these kind of things. And Elijah's uh, telling the Lord, nobody understands me, nobody. So here's what the Lord does, verse 11. 
He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. So Elijah goes forth, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So Elijah goes out there, and he stands, and this wind kicks up. Almost tornadic-like winds. Rocks are crashing down, everything. But the Lord's not in that wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing? <laughs> he hears all this commotion, earthquake and fire and everything. He's waiting for God to show up. And all of a sudden he hears a small voice. Come out here. Right here. Elijah comes out to hear it. And, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, that's how the Lord deals with the ones he loves. He doesn't deal with you with fire and earthquake and wind. He deals with you with a small voice. He speaks to your heart. What are you doing? Everything's going to be all right. Verse 14, and he said, I've been very jealous. This is Elijah's answer to the Lord. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Here's what the Lord says in verse 15. The Lord said unto him, Go, return all the way in, on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. Get out of the wilderness. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Verse 18, yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You're not the only one with problems. You're not the only one dealing with things. God says, I got 7,000 that hadn't bent the knee. See, he was irrationally thinking, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. God says, I got plenty of them out there. Now get up, I got something for you to do. And he tells him what he wants him to do. Now quickly, we're right on time. I want to go back to verse 5. I want to show you real quick. And I want to show you, that, go back to verse 5. Because I'm going to point out now where God was working in Elijah's life. In Elijah's life. I'm going to point out where God was working in Elijah's life. And I want you to notice this. Because if you're in here this morning, or you've been dealing with being down and out, or you've been depressed, or things haven't been going like you think they should, I'm going to show you how... I showed you the solutions, what Elijah was doing wrong, but I want to show you where God was working in Elijah's life to help him get through the problem. And maybe you didn't notice it, and maybe you did, but Elijah may not notice it. Go back to verse 5. The first one you find there is the angel was touched him and said unto him, Arise, arise and sleep. You think you're alone, but God is going to provide for you. See, Elijah thinks he's alone, but God's going to provide for him. See, Elijah said, I'm going off in the wilderness. I'm getting away from everybody. I don't want to be around anybody, but God's still there. See, you can get in here and you can, you can go to the other side of the planet and say, I'm getting away from all my problems. I'm getting away from all my sins. I'm getting away. But God's still there. 
God's still right there with you. You can't get away from God, and he's going to provide for you. And even when you say, I don't want to be alive anymore, God says, well, I don't want you to be dead, so <laughs> I'm here right now. Provide. And he sends an angel. I'm not saying God's always going to send an angel, and that angel might not be who you think. I've had God send angels into my life, and it's some of y'all. I was reading a story about a young girl that was looking for some food, and this man came by, and he was an atheist, and she's like, she was, she was singing for God, and she, he said, where's your, where's your God, at, God at now, little girl? Where's the food at that God's, you, God's sitting out here, and you're starving. Where's your God out now? Where's your God at right now? And that little girl told that man, said, my God has asked somebody to bring food to me. They just haven't heard it and did what they're supposed to do. There's a lot of truth in that. And some of y'all have been angels to people because God has laid in your heart to do something. You don't realize what you're doing to help them lift them up. It's not, it doesn't have to necessarily be a physical angel from heaven. Guys, we can be the angels to help people when they're in time of need to bake that cake, to be that cruise of water, to be a provider for God. Look at verse 7. And the angel, the angel of the Lord came again the second time. See, God's not going to leave you alone. He'll just keep on dealing with you. Elijah's like, gets up, eats, okay, goes back to sleep. Angel comes by, wake up, Elijah, wake up. God's not going to leave you alone. Hey, I, be, I know this to be true. There's been times, now believe, that you might, some of y'all might not believe this, as much as I love my Bible, I love my King James Bible, there was a time where I was so down, I was so out, I took this Bible and I threw it across the room. I'm done! I'm done with God. I'm done with the Bible. I'm done with everything. I was so depressed. I was so down. And God wouldn't let me alone. And woke me up in the middle of the night. And wouldn't leave me alone. God's dealt with me that way. And he'll deal with you. Look at verse 7. End of verse 7. And he touched him. The angel touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Your journey's just beginning. You still got a life God's going to use. See, this angel knows, hey, you still got to go on a journey. And you might want to lay there and die. You might want to lay there and have a pity party. You might want to lay there and just say, nothing's going right for me. God says, get up. Everything's going to be okay. I got something for you to do. You still got a journey to continue on. And that's what the God's telling him there. You still got a journey. And verses 11 and 12, you see where God shows up and the Verses 11 and 12, the Lord was not in the wind, the Lord was not in the earthquake, the Lord was not in the fire. Sometimes God takes you to places and puts you through trials just so you'll listen for a still, small voice. That's why I'm to Elijah. God took Elijah and put him in a place through storms and through fires and through earthquakes and wind and everything's going wrong just so Elijah would listen for that still, small voice. And that still small voice for me that night after I threw my Bible and I said I was done, I didn't want to have anything else to do with God, I went to bed wanting to die, God woke me up in the middle of the night and I heard it in a clear voice, believe me or not, I heard it in a clear voice and said, Kiggin. And I woke up and I heard, Kiggin. And I looked around in, that, in that, that dark room and that voice told me, everything's going to be okay. And that's what I needed. Because I was done in the ministry, I was done preaching, I was done with everything. I needed to hear that still, small voice. See, what I'm trying to show you is God loves Elijah enough to put up with his nonsense. God didn't have to do that. 
God could have said, oh, I got Elisha over here. I'll just go ahead and get him. But that's not how God works. God says, Elijah, get up. Come on, what are you doing here? He brings a fire. He brings an earthquake. He brings the wind. He comes to a small voice. He talks to Elijah. God doesn't have to do that. God could have said, oh, I lost one right there. Let him die. Hey, let's go get Elisha. That's not how God works. See, God cares for you and loves you. Look at verse 15. This is one of the most important points here I want to make. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go. And then y'all read that with me as I read all the stuff that God told him to go do. Go. See, when you're down and out, when you're depressed, when things aren't going right, you've got to remember you can't see what tomorrow's going to bring, but God can. And when I, was, when I took my Bible and I threw it against the wall and I said, I'm done. I was so depressed. I was so down and out. I was done. God knew, hey, there's going to come a time where you're going to be preaching in front of some people. In 2023, I got a job for you. And God had those eternal eyes. I didn't. I was done. I, Kigan's done. I'm out of here. I'm checking out. God said, no, you're not. I got things for you to do. This thing's going to happen in your life. I need to happen. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Elijah is laying under a juniper tree. He's like, oh, Lord, I just want to die. I just want to die. And God says, Elijah, get up. I'm about to pick you up with a chariot of fire. <laughs> I'm about to pick you up with a chariot of fire. One of the greatest miracles in the whole Bible. Elijah's about to be carried up to heaven alive in a chariot of fire. God says, you're not going nowhere. Get up. <laughs> oh, I just want to die. I just want to die. I got great plans for you. Now go and do this and do that. Go take care of Elijah. And then verse 18, Yet have I left, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal. I want to close out by saying this. God will reveal to you what's wrong. God will reveal to you what's wrong. And what he revealed to Elijah was that Elijah was having a pity party. Elijah was tired, wore out. He was doing all those six things that we talked about. But truly, Elijah was having a pity party. Woe is me. Woe is me. Oh, I'm the only one. Nobody. Oh, I'm the only one working for God. There's nobody who loves God like me. God said, man, I got 7,000 men that hasn't kissed Baal. Get up. I got something for you to go do. I'm here to encourage you that the Lord loves you. And if you're down and out this morning, maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're like, man, I'm just kind of a little bit down and out. Think about some of these things we talked about through Elijah and remember that the Lord loves you and he's got plans for you. I'm here to testify for that, that the Lord can use you and do great things with you if you'll let him. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him